All right, so I got a little more time uh, with Chris the Conqueror here, and we are going to talk about uh, if you for a conqueror, the madness of the masses is obviously what you want. You want mad masses so that you can get your madness into power. If you followed all that, one thing right before we do that, I, I got to talk about this because this is I don't I, this is one of the things I think as far as madness goes in affecting history. At least for me, this was probably the craziest story to come out in my lifetime uh, and that is bill cosby uh, and and his yeah. and in 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 his behavior over his entire his personal behavior and i know i mentioned in you know for for uh <laughs> i'm gonna eat my words here but i know I mentioned in, in our main interview how you know people's personal lives doesn't really matter benevolent dictator you know blah 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 and i think bill cosby is exactly what is wrong with my previous statement because his <laughs> his public life was the benevolent dictator you know he was this great guy yeah. the perfect family dad i love the cosby show i love bill cosby he did so much for african-americans and and yeah and and their, their how people perceive them and all this stuff, and his personal life was I don't even have words for it. But when this came to light, I mean, at least for me, this like shattered my paradigm of what a good person is. Uh, to yeah. me, this is madness shaping history because I don't. Th- I mean, this is. You know, it's not as big as the Kennedy assassination as far as like how it affects pop culture and and popular culture. But I think when someone like Bill Cosby could do something like that, that is madness shaping history in my personal opinion. Right. Um, So what do you think about it? I just want to get your thoughts on this really quickly before we jump into uh, the crazy people, uh, including all of the crazy commoner. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, so there is this kind of like, you know, everybody's asking this question now, really, you know, can we enjoy the Cosby show anymore? I mean, can you laugh at the show knowing what this individual was doing, you know, like you said, with, uh, you know, women in his, in his, you know, personal life? And that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and of course, you know, it is one that comes up in terms of like, how do we evaluate, you know, political leaders? I mean, one of the things that comes up now is like Thomas Jefferson, you know, who had an ongoing relationship with one of his female, you know, slaves. So, you know, can, as a slave, she consent to those things? I think most of us would say no. Right. You know, uh, so how do we evaluate, you know, Thomas Jefferson, who, and and other criteria was one of the, no, 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 yeah. no, no. We're, we're, so we're making assumptions based on history. I'm not saying that they're correct yeah. or incorrect. Little yeah. different than than the clear <laughs> behavior of, of yeah. Bill Cosby. You're right. I mean, so I understand right, what you're saying, right, but right. but we but we are making assumptions about Thomas Jefferson, whether right or wrong. Sure, ab- absolutely. But yeah, but I kind of I think that all kind of fits into the sense of like people will take different pieces of evidence and and uh, you know try to fit them into their narrative. So again, right, right, I think right, if right. you kind of start with the perspective that we're all basically irrational, right? So if you're like expecting people to be fully consistent in their views of the world and have this like perfectly, you know, non uh, hypocritical way of evaluating others. I think you're always going to be disappointed, right? You know, so now I want to pause you for a second there because that's a, I suffer from that problem and that I've realized (laughs) now I really do. I suffer from this belief that people will, will are, aren't, are not hypocrites, even though I know full well they are. And I am constantly disappointed. So what you are saying rings true and I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when you kind of look at, I mean, I, I watch like a lot of the political debates going on, on mm-hmm. now, and, and I'm not endorsing one side or the other. I, I yeah. think it's not a political show. Very carefully. Yeah. 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 It, and, you know, it's one of the narratives that pops up about like Donald Trump, right? You know, who is you know, supporting 
uh, at least ostensibly, you know, it's kind of like pro-life, you know, sort of way of addressing the the abortion debate, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people will sometimes say, well, how can conservatives support him when he is, you know, at least apparently or allegedly a horrible human being in his personal life, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the allegations that he's cheated on his wives and, you know, okay, you know, it, and, and things he said publicly and, you know, so... You know, people kind of get the sense of like he's you know, that conservatives are inconsistent, right? That they say they support family values and 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 those kind of stuff, and uh, but on the other hand, they're doing so by offering their support to a uh, you know ostensibly horrible, you know, at least in the minds of people. I, I'm again not taking a super strong position here myself, but yeah, horrible you know, is a tricky word to is, use because it depends. On yeah, it's, it's, it's because you're, you're saying it and attributing it to someone because I wouldn't necessarily consider everything he's done in his personal life horrible. Um, right, I, yeah. Again, I don't think, I mean, if he wants to cheat on his wife, that's between him and his wife. So as far as from a political right. standpoint, I don't know. So I'm just saying, be careful with the word horrible. Uh, and I'm not yeah, endorsing anyone either way, but I'm just saying yeah. like that <laughs> Hitler was horrible. We've talked about horrible people yeah. here, but then I wouldn't consider him. He hasn't murdered anybody. He hasn't boiled his wife yet. Well, Right, right. Well, of course, that goes back to like the the the, the nature of of how people do sort of like you know create stories, right? And so, mm-hmm. so people on the I think that some people that particularly are on the far left probably would use that word, right? And probably right. would even make compare a half, you know, made at least subtle, if not direct, comparisons with Hitler and the Nazis. <laughs> you know, people do that all the time. You well, know, so I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've found myself defending people that I don't like and I don't support because the narrative about them is so ridiculous. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's the trouble I'm having is like, it's hard for me. Like, I, I just have, I have my opinions and I don't listen to what other people tell me my opinion should be. And so when I hear some right. of these things, I just find myself, especially in our current age, which is the madness of the masses, which we're going to get to, yeah. is just, I find myself defending people I don't like because people are saying just such stupid, ignorant things yeah. that are just so extreme that, 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 that extreme conversation is actually harmful yeah. and not helpful. Yeah. Well, well, people in general struggle with nuance, right? You know, so this idea that someone can be both, yeah, someone can be both That's good funny. and bad right. yeah, um, in funny. different ways is difficult. You know, that Thomas Jefferson really could be a great leader and have contributed positively, if incrementally, towards you know racial equality in the U.S. Despite the fact that he didn't always live up to those values in his personal life, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a difficult. You know, sort of sure. story for people to one way or the other. He's either awesome or he's he's terrible. Um, and and I think that you know we do see this on both sides. You know, both the right and the left do this. You know, the sense of like you either agree with my value system or you are literally the Nazis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right, kind of right, the right. sense. And, and people, or a lot of people, not everybody, but you know, people at the extremes who are given a lot of oxygen today. You know, in society. Uh, particularly have struggled to have the sort of nuanced sense of you can be a good human being and still disagree with me about abortion, you know, uh, or whatever other hotbed issue is important, you know, to me. That you can have a morally defensible reason for disagreeing with my moral perspective on something that I, you know, hold and cherish. Um, And that can result in these kinds of, you know, narratives either you vote for my con- my candidate for president or you are literally the nazis right. um you well, know it's, it's kind of tribalism the, it's like yeah. tribalism marketing yeah. you know i mean it's it's like you're part of team let's say i mean like, let's say team orange and i'm you know yeah. part of team green right and it's like well if you're yeah. not wearing i mean it's it's like the gang mentality i mean there's people who kill each other whether they wear red or blue right i mean on this mm-hmm. i mean that yeah. that that is i mean to me, if that's not madness i don't i don't know what is 
Um, now, now, let me just just because I don't want to, I, we're we're in some really troubled troubled waters here, which I like to stay away from on this show. So let me let's use some some examples from history that I think exemplify the madness of the masses that have shaped history that aren't so close yeah. and near and dear to people's personal modern beliefs. And and an, an easy one is the Salem witch trials, which I also did an episode on. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, I mean, if this is, this is people just going absolutely bananas, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so, so tell me how, and this shaped history for sure. I mean, there were people that were, and, and this also can kind of fall under the religious, you know, religious zealous. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so how did, tell, tell me a little bit about, about this and how it kind of relates to, you know, this madness of the masses. How does it happen? How do these things kind of occur? Yeah. Well, I think something like the Salem witch trial also falls into a category we sometimes would call like a moral panic, you know, to some extent, where, you know, you had a, you know, if my memory of the Salem witch trials uh, is accurate, you had a small number of, of adolescent girls who started off, you know, probably unintentionally um, by behaving in certain ways that, you know, were not consistent with a fairly rigid moral structure um, in the in the colony at that time. And then try to shift blame for it, as adolescents will do, um, onto uh, you know other individuals. And rather, unfortunately, in this situation, rather than understand that sometimes teenagers lie um, and do naughty things, mm-hmm. uh, it really mm-hmm. snowballed into this you know cascading um, you know network of accusations of uh, of witchcraft. Witchcraft, because you know it turns out if you torture people, they'll confess to stuff. Right. Um, that right. they didn't necessarily, you know, actually do. So, I mean, I think which Stalin also did. You mentioned Stalin also did the exact thing, and then publicly executed them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Well, he, he about Machiavellian. Yeah. Is, I mean, he would promise them that they, that they he wouldn't execute them or their families if they confessed. <laughs> then they would, and then he would execute them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. uh, anyway, that's you know, uh, terrible human being. If I'm allowed to use that word, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it works. Uh, <laughs> it works for him. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's fine. Um, but but I think like the Salem witch trials, you have a situation where I think most individuals didn't have the perspective of being cruel or evil. You know, I think that they had a rigid moral system. They were living in a harsh environment. Uh, they were superstitious. They didn't really understand how the world worked. And so they believed in magic, and they believed in witchcraft, and they believed in evil and the devil uh, and things like that. And and once you had a few people who were young and maybe a bit rebellious who sort of deviated from cultural expectations in what today I think we would consider to be small ways, um, that nonetheless like, created this anxiety moment for them. And, and what you tend to find is that people look for explanations. And people will oftentimes grab onto dumb explanations for stuff if it gives them a sense of control. Um, so the idea that the devil is at work here, right. and we just need to find out who's associated with the devil, and if we could just eliminate them, then everything will back to, to normal right, right. Um, is a powerful message uh, for uh, you know for individuals, and, and unfortunately, the way that they went about it was one that we now know you know psychologically is guaranteed to escalate a uh, mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. You know, right. if you bring people in and threaten them with pain uh, or serious consequences, and give them an out or at least an apparent out, and saying like we're going to do all these horrible things to you unless you confess and tell me who your accomplices are. A lot of people will take that path, mm-hmm. um, you know, and name random people, you know, who didn't do any, you know, so you get this cascading, you know, uh, network of people that uh, 
increasingly improbably are involved somehow in Satanism or, or whatever else. And, right. and we kind of look back and, oh, that was like the 1600s. So, you know, these people were, were you know, superstitious. They were uneducated. Right. You know, this would never happen today. Um, but it did. And it happened in the late 80s and the early 90s with the whole satanic ritual abuse, you know, uh, moral panic, uh, where people thought that babies were being kidnapped and, right. and, and killed by Satanists. And that parallels to video games, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and eventually, right. yeah, eventually because of video games. Right. Yeah. But, but people went to jail, you right. know. For lives get ruined, you know. Nobody gets, you know, hanged. But uh, McCarthy is a great example as well. I mean, yeah. he's the, I mean, that is a perfect modern witch. I mean, he literally just called people yeah. communists, and their lives were ruined. I mean, yeah, they weren't murdered in the streets. They weren't asked to confess. But I mean, maybe they were. Some people were. You yeah. Know. I mean, it happened in you know right after nine eleven. You had people who were getting pulled into yeah. into camps and tortured. Um, you know, for yep. for mm-hmm. confessions, and and not all of them were guilty. Not not all of them. Exactly. Were, you know, I mean, it, this stuff is this is always going on. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, here here's here's an example. So, I mean, this is this is perfect, and this is one that blows my mind. I I love sports. Okay, I, I love sports. Mm-hmm. I'm a big sports fan. But the tribalism that exists. So I'm a fantasy football fan. That's how I was entered. I didn't yeah. grow up a football fan. I got into it through fantasy football, which I love. I love fantasy football. But in fantasy football, you're kind of following players. Their teams are important, but only based on like how the teams are doing, what what formulas they run, how are they, you know, do they have a yeah. quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Different than people who are like, I love the Bears, <laughs> and that's my yeah. team. <laughs> and the tribalism right. in football is crazy. One of my friends, every time he's talking about a team, I'll leave it nameless. It's always we and us, you know. And it's like, okay, yeah. And, and, and mm-hmm. to me, I, I don't. Every time I hear it, I roll my eyes in my head because I'm like, you have nothing to do with the team. If you die yeah. tomorrow, the team's <laughs> not going to like hold a memorial for you. They don't know yeah, you exactly. exist, right? <laughs> and and yeah. and even I had another friend who owns. He's a part owner of the Packers because they they're they're oh, okay. uh, they're a fan owned team, right? So so yeah. So fans bought like so he has one share of the Packers. And gotcha. <laughs> in under those very limited definition, he would technically be a we or an us, we and you know, in them kind of a thing. Yeah. But for most people, it's not. And you have, I'm sure you, I don't know if you remember this, and you're in Florida, but here in Los Angeles, there was the Giants and the Dodgers have a big feud. But there was a guy who was almost beaten to death in the parking lot yeah. because he was a mm-hmm. Giants fan who dared to come into Dodger Stadium. I mean, that is madness of the masses. When you have taken this, this isn't just you know people harassed Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend because they're in the Patriots game, right? So, so that is, I mean, that's just bad, low class behavior. It's a little mad, but when you when it when it ascends to violence because of a sports team, that to Mm. me is madness of the masses. Now, how does this? I mean, this is a little different than which you know which trials and even McCarthyism to a sense. I mean, this is real identification with something you don't really have a part of. How does this form, and how can this like how can this become violence? Yeah, that's really where does that step come come in? Yeah, well, unfortunately, violence is kind of like a natural, you know. uh, consequence of tribalism to some extent. I mean, it, it seems to be that psychologically our brains are kind of wired to think in these kinds of ways, you know, that we, we look for cohesive social units that we belong to, uh, but as a natural consequence of that, we use that to identify other cohesive social units that we don't belong to. And mm-hmm. of course we adopt this, we're, we're better than them mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it just seems to be a way that our brains categorize the world 
Uh, and that can be a good thing in some respects, uh, but obviously it has a lot of negative uh, con- consequences that can uh, stem for that. Yeah, so we can see that certainly in politics. You're either with my group or you're evil. You know, we can see this with sports teams. Uh, I remember you, you used some examples. There have been cases of, uh, particularly in South America, where a team loses and they go back home oh, and their uh, right. players, in some cases, get murdered right, yeah, you know, yeah, by yeah. fans who were upset at them. I mean, talk missed about goal. Like, yeah, yeah, irrational, you know? <laughs> yeah, someone missed a goal and I think he was like strung up or something like that, like by the cartels yeah. or something. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. But there, there seems to be the sense of like when, particularly if we're anxious about things, like social cohesion makes us feel more confident. Uh, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think like 9-11 is a great example of that. You know, I, I, I'm old enough to remember, I'm imagining you probably are as well, the 9-11 tragedy. And, and immediately after that, the United States went through this period of a couple of years of just extreme cohesion. Like everybody mm-hmm. was waving flags and they had their flags on their cars. and everything, yeah. Yeah. yeah Bushman, I meant Bushman. Uh, Bush's uh, <laughs> approval rate went up through the roof. Yeah. You know, so it just seemed to be like we all were on board together because we had this like identifiable threat. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was them and that made us us, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that can be good, but it also can be bad. I mean, obviously, that increases conformity. Um, that does tend to increase hostility towards whatever that outgroup was. So that's where you see cases of you know Muslim Americans or people visiting from Islamic countries being exposed to violence or prejudice or uh, or, uh, or or things like that. So it, it seems to be a natural feature of our brains that we tend to like us versus them ways of viewing uh, the world. And it probably is a heuristic. It probably is a quick way of judging whether other people are a threat or not, right. which is adaptive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an evolutionary um, trait that's important to our absolutely, survival yeah. throughout history. Yeah. And it's easy like when we're not emotional. The important thing is to think of this in terms of like emotional decision-making. So most humans, and I don't exempt myself, are emotional decision-makers. You know, We tend to make decisions upon how we feel. And the more we're feeling, the worse decisions we make. You know, so the more afraid, the more angry, the more in love, uh, the worse decisions we make. Uh, emotions are a bad way to make decisions. <laughs> um, you know, so it's easy like for us to look back and like, yeah. <laughs> well, positive emotions can screw us as well as, as, no, as negative ones. Uh, but it's easy to look back like the Salem witch trials or McCarthy uh, or 9-11 or whatever else and go, oh, wow, I can't believe people were so stupid, right? But yeah. we just, we usually repeat these mistakes ourselves in our personal lives and, mm-hmm. you know, in our social lives. Uh, it's because it just seems to be so hardwired into us. And then because aggression, and this is you know, sort of a negative thing to say, but aggression and violence are just kind of hardwired into us as well in ways that in large part were adapted for us. We probably would not be a successful species if we right. weren't as aggressive as we are. And cooperative. And cooperative in our ingre- and cooperative. aggression. And yeah. cooperative. Yeah, exactly. Social aggression. You can't take down a woolly mammoth by yourself. Yeah. Right. Or simply, I mean, you can see this in chimpanzees. I mean, chimpanzee tribes go to war with each other and, yeah. and eradicate each other. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the the peaceful chimpanzees die. Ninety seven percent of our DNA, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. You know, of course, you don't want to overdo it, but yeah. you know, a certain balance of aggression is horrible. But but that can make our default position hostile uh, towards yeah. the other group, and where we do tend to be physically aggressive, particularly males. Uh, that can result in um, you know some some aggressiveness, and it actually does play a role in, in some of like our current debates within like the United States, for instance. That if you look at like like racial politics and stuff, a lot of that has gotten very us versus them. 
um, which, you know, my yeah, perspective is so. that that's not very healthy, um, even if it's intended well. And that usually when you see cooperation between distinct units within a culture is when they have an identifiable enemy outside the culture. Now, I'm not saying we should all go take on Russia right. you know, as a consequence of this. But <laughs> if you kind of think of that, you know, we don't really have an identifiable threat that's like existential. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, terrorism, yeah, but you know, it's, it's, it's not like the Soviet Union was back in the 80s. And you know, I, I think that that can make it difficult for subgroups within a culture to find a common identity, which is usually what results in, in multi-group cooperation. They all have a particular goal um, that they're all working on uh, you know, together. Um, so I think when we think about like, how do we progress as a country, dividing people further into subunits and making them kind of angry at each other is probably not going to be super productive and that it actually can increase strife rather than fix it. And looking for ways to find common ground is probably more productive. But that also doesn't sell as many newspapers. No. Uh, so, well, well, you yeah. mentioned, <laughs> and, I, and this is the, what I wanted to close on, because you, your chapter on madness of the masses like opened my eyes and to a lot of political stuff that, that I saw going on and didn't have words for. And and mm. you kind of you kind of put the words and the concepts there for me, and you know like I, this isn't a political show, so I don't like to get into that. But but when you talk about madness of the masses, this was really telling to me. And you had this whole thing of ideological purity and the hypocrisy mm-hmm. of of people who dis, who defend extreme sensitivity while expressing racist or sexist remarks, as long as they're to let's say the group in power. Okay, mm-hmm. and and I thought that that was really interesting because that's really what's going on. And you you mentioned one extraordinarily you know offensive tweet um, from let's say one racial group against another, but it was considered okay because the one racial group mm. is the one in power, right? So like white males are are targets right now, and right, yeah, and 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 on one hand, like I get it, but on the other hand, I'm like, okay, th- this is it's still racist, it's still racist, and it's still sexist. And the words you put to it, which are really interesting, is that instead of preaching harmony, which is what we really should be doing, you just reshuffle yeah. the race deck as to who is good or who is bad. And I feel like we do that, a, we've done that a lot in recent history, is instead of, mm. and I think maybe your point there, that we're struggling to find a common enemy, and since we don't have it externally, we're looking internally to find out who's our enemy among, among us. And and I, I think that that may really be what's going on. And so, you know, through the past 20, 15, 20 years, we are reshuffling this deck. Or who are the people that are, who? what's the hierarchy of okay? You know, it's like, well, now we're, right. we're, we're taking care of these people, and now we're not so much taking care of these people, and these people are, we're, not, we're, we're actually going to treat them poorly. And, that, and, and just that hierarchy gets kind of shuffled around. And I just found that to be really interesting because I don't think it's really okay to preach this stuff. And, and I think some of the, the current modern movements are really kind of have gone off the deep end. Like instead of being up against mm. the line, they are crossing these lines. And when you do that, now you're creating an us and them instead of, uh, hey, mm-hmm. look at us. We need to we need to change this thing that's going on. And now it's like, well, yeah. I don't want to because now you're also I'm now getting targeted. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Um, right. And, and I think that's where you, you, that's where people will lose people like me who are happy to support um, things that are that are going wrong in society. But when you start saying like, well, it, we, essentially the argument, we got to break a couple of you can't br- make an omelet without breaking a couple eggs. Well, I don't want to be the egg that gets right. broken. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I love omelets, but I don't. I don't need to be broken. I'm just yeah. sitting in the carton, you know. 
Um, but, but I right. thought that that chapter was really interesting to put those things into perspective that people can really quickly lose their mind over this idea of ideological purity. Well, I think it's too, it's, it's, it's that struggle between, you know, strategic decision making versus emotional decision making too, right. in the sense yeah. of like what, what is the goal? Is it, is it to signal to others who feel similar to you about your moral virtue, you know, and, and again, both right and left do this, or, or are you really trying to move people over from one side to the, you know, are you actually trying to convince people who feel differently, or are you trying to signal your own moral worth, you know, and I think that the temptation for all of us, and again, I'm not exempting myself in any way, and I'm sure I, if I look back to my own tweets, I'm sure I would find something, I go, oh, God, I can't believe I said that, um, you know, I think the temptation for all of us is to show how virtuous we are, you know, even if that doesn't actually yeah, that's fair. Change the world, you know, yeah. um, in a way, because we we want to be accepted, you know. And when we start to, you know, develop these tribes, we want that tribe to accept us. And part of being accepted by the tribe is insulting the other tribe, mm-hmm. you know. But if if our goal really is to sort of move the needle and and bring some people that may be ambivalent or may feel very differently in, in ways that we think are negative, if we want to move them closer to our view, uh, we have to be much more strategic about that. It doesn't mean we have to agree with them, but you know, under, trying to understand where they're coming from in terms of their views and you know, communicating them with them in a way that will make them feel good about changing their views as opposed to feel bad about the views they have mm-hmm. you know, tends to be more of, of effective. Uh, you know, and it's, I think I had this quote in the book, essentially that, you know, uh, Few people, you know, listen to you more after you call them an asshole, you know. Um, and uh, so thinking strategically, you know, nobody sits down and says, okay, well, now you, you, know, you got me there. What do you have to say? If anything, you, you just move people more in the direction they already were moving, moving in. So if you decide to say that, you know, uh, conservatives are all heartless, evil people, I'm just, you know, they you know, go both directions, yeah. you know. It, uh, conservatives are all heartless, evil people because they don't believe in X, Y, and Z. That's just going to make that group of conservatives, you know, more defensive and more unified in terms of their opposition to what you want, rather than listening to you. Well, you can't defend yourself without you can't defend yourself without digging in, right? Like you can't, it, and and that's that's what you're saying. People people move away from things that make them feel anxious or uncomfortable. Uh, so there has been this kind of movement of like you know people have to feel uncomfortable in order to change. No, they don't. You know, people will not change if they're uncomfortable. <laughs> they'll, they'll become more of what they were, you know, which may be a negative thing. If you give people a road forward and say, here's how you can feel great, you know, or here's how you can be part of the solution, you know, that tends to be what moves people. Um, a little bit. And, and keeping in mind that persuasion is very difficult in general. I mean, people are not blank slates. People don't respond much to anything. Right. You know? But if you really want to move people at all, you have to give them the opportunity to feel good uh, about moving in the direction of a different attitude than the one that they already have. If you just make them feel bad, they're just going to stop listening to you. You know, yeah. and... Uh, you know, but but I think a lot of these communications are not strategic anyway. It's, it's really more about you know, which is again human nature, and is not trying to you know criticize anybody. But you know, because I'm sure I've done it. Uh, we like to signal how virtuous we are, you know, in order to get appreciation and admiration from those that are in our same cultural unit. And and one of the easiest ways to do that is to put down other people who are different. Yeah. Well, and I think I think one of the keys in in our society, and I think everything you're saying is right. And and just to close here, and I think this is really the issue. And I'm not the first to, to mention this, but it's it's not only are we everyone's a, from an emotional standpoint, right? Like first of all, this whole left and right thing immediately you're in tribes, right? Like I I 
Yeah. I, I, I'm okay. Each, I'm, I have different thoughts and feelings from, from every, from every ideology, right? So, but I, I want to discuss them individually because my stance on a particular topic is not based on which group you think I'm a part of or which group I'm a part of. Right. Like I just, I just have my ideas and I'm probably unique in that. But what's interesting is yeah. everyone is, is coming from this very emotional place and, and I, I understand it and it's not, it, it's, it's, it's relevant and, and it should be listened to. But when people are given platforms in which other people can listen, and social media is the key form of this, is we've now lost our filter. And you, the comments mm -hmm. on people's Facebook and the things people put on Twitter, yeah. people have completely lost their filter and they've lost their compass for what's okay to say and what isn't okay to say. And, and it, it exactly. almost feels like, and this is a very crass metaphor, so I apologize in advance, but it's like everyone is like farting online and they forget <laughs> that the smell is going to linger for a while and it's going to annoy yeah, people yeah. around them. And I think people are really forgetting that, that everyone's, yeah. you know, poop stinks, let's say. Yeah. And, and, and just be careful yeah. with, you know, with, with what you're putting out there. And I, and I think that the, that's the thing that is really, it, it's just a constant flame. It's a constant flame that's just getting fed. But anyway, to go back to your book, I just thought that, that your madness of the masses is so relevant and it, and it puts a lot of words to things that are going on. I don't know how you stop being mad, you know? I mean, if the Salem witch trials yeah. eventually work themselves out, but not without, you know, the, the, the French... Cost of a few, few people, but well, yeah, that's the okay. The French Revolution <laughs> worked itself out with the invention of the guillotine, you know? So, I mean, there are ways that yeah. these things work themselves out. I just yeah. don't know, you know? We're not here to solve those problems, but they're just very interesting to kind of to kind of look at. Uh, well, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation, uh, Chris the Conqueror. You're you're much you're much nicer than your than your nickname would imply, um, but, <laughs> but, but but it has been absolutely incredible. And, and thank you so much. I'm for hoping taking that nickname that. catches on. That sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, thank you so much for all this time today. Oh, it's been great. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate being on.